Our sermon for Thanksgiving was written by Pastor Paul Nauman while he was uh, at Ascension Lutheran Church. Not to worry. Peace be to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. For Thanksgiving, we will meditate on Jesus' words in Luke chapter 12, beginning with the 22nd verse as follows. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So far the holy word. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who commands us and enables us not to worry, dear fellow redeemed. It's always interesting when bits of slang become commonly used, so commonly used that the Oxford University Press feels compelled to include them in their latest dictionary. Recent additions such, uh, are such terms as Bitcoin, fracking, post-racial, and expressions like laugh out loud and not to worry. That last one surprised me not only because it's slangy and seldom fits the grammar of a sentence, but because it's usually not true. Think about it. If something's gone badly enough and wrong enough that someone feels the need to reassure you not to worry, that usually means you are in trouble. Not to worry is advice that's often given and seldom followed. It's ironic that this holiday season between Thanksgiving and New Year is a notoriously stressful and worrisome time of year for many people, but it shouldn't be for Christians. In fact, in our text for this Thanksgiving day, Jesus not only advises his disciples against worry, he commands them not to do it. He gives them, and us, at least three terrific reasons why not. Jesus' simple thanksgiving instruction to you is, in the words of our theme, not to worry. First, worry is senseless. Second, worry is useless. And third, worry is needless. Often, you can learn a lot about a Bible passage by its context, what comes before and after. Just before the text for today, Jesus told the parable of the rich fool. 
the man who trusted in his great wealth and neglected his relationship to God. In that parable, he taught his disciples not to be overconfident about material things. And now he teaches them the other lesson, that you shouldn't worry about them either. Jesus tells them not to worry. In our text, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. The word worry means literally to have an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. And by the way, the language in, the te- in our text makes clear that Jesus isn't talking about a problem that might come up or something in the future. It is something they were already doing. It was already sapping their energy and blunting their effectiveness as disciples. Jesus knows it. And he tells them to stop it. He says the same thing to you. Not to worry. Why not? In the first place, because worry is senseless. And for the clearest evidence of that fact, Jesus says, all you have to do is look around and you can see in the created world. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Consider the ravens. Jesus says, um, stop your fretting and your hand-wringing for a moment just to ponder this. In Jewish thought, ravens and crows and jackdaws were the most useless of birds. They were the scavengers. They were unclean. Other birds could be eaten, but not the raven. And what about them, Jesus asks. They don't run around worrying about crops or harvests. They have no bank accounts or insurance policies. We often would criticize people for living paycheck to paycheck, but the ravens are worse than that. They live from one mouthful of food to the next. And do the ravens and the crows starve? Look around. We have a lot of crows around here, and none of them look like they're starving. Why not? Because Jesus said, as Jesus says, your heavenly Father feeds them. Not to worry. It makes no sense. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's a picture that every Jewish person could relate to. King Solomon was the epitome of wealth and splendor. His robes and garments were legendary for their exceeding beauty. Isn't it true? The morning glories that grow like weeds in your own backyard are more beautiful than any Armadi suit worn by Donald Trump. God feeds the crows. God clothes the lilies. How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Not to worry. Why not? Because it makes no sense. 
Here's another reason. Because worry is useless. You don't even have to be a Christian to realize that. Simple logic could tell you as much. Jesus asks, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If then you are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? For us, stature usually refers to a person's height. But the word stature in this passage probably means lifespan rather than height. One cubit was a, is approximately 18 inches, about the length of your forearm. That would be a lot to add to a person's height, but a minuscule amount to add to your lifespan. The latter is probably what is meant here. You don't even have to be a Christian to understand this, do you? Just look at it from a simple standpoint of logic. Can you add even the smallest amount of time to your lifespan by worrying? No. In fact, the opposite is true. A few years ago, a medical study found that large amounts of stress and worry in a person's life can actually damage DNA. Far from adding to a person's life, worry can actually take as much as four to eight years off a person's lifespan. So worry really is useless. It's less than useless. It's counterproductive. You can't add a single minute to your life. Quote, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Not to worry. Worry is useless. One person said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. How often don't we indulge ourselves in worry? How often don't we spend sleepless nights tossing and turning, worrying about what tomorrow will bring? Oh, you of little faith. How often doesn't that shameful label apply all, well, all too well to us and to our lives? Worry isn't just a bad idea. It's a sin. It's faithlessness. It's a shameful denial of the ability and the will of our Heavenly Father to provide for us. It is said that worry is the opposite of trust. Jesus goes further. He says that worry is the opposite of faith. So worry is a sin. We need to repent of it, seek God's forgiveness for it, and banish it from our lives. And that brings us to the main point of this passage. We've seen that worry is senseless and worry is useless. But you know, there's an even better reason not to worry. Because, a Christian, because for a Christian, worry is needless. Jesus says, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I like to talk, I'd like to talk a little bit about the word seek. It is a very descriptive word in the Greek. It doesn't just mean look for, like 
look for your car keys or the TV remote. It indicates an ongoing, intense effort to learn the location of something by searching, more like a treasure hunt, that kind of seeking. And Jesus here, Jesus' point here is that the world's treasure hunt and Christians' treasure hunts are two different things. Yes, Jesus says the world has an anxious mind. The world is constantly stressed about how to provide themselves with food, clothing, shelter, and the necessities of life. For them, treasure lies in their bank account, their 401k, their insurance policies, their pension plan. They're worried about that stuff. But for my followers, Jesus says, for the disciples of Christ, not to worry. There's no need. For your Father knows that you need all these things. He is omniscient and almighty and full of love, especially for his dear children. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 7, 9-11 Every year, Thanksgiving is a day on which we especially concentrate on all the wonderful gifts our Heavenly Father bestows on his children. Material gifts, yes. The wonderful variety of food we enjoy. The pleasant and comfortable homes we live in. The myriad of luxuries we have have become so common that we take them for granted. Even more so, we thank God for the blessings of family, the loved ones, our church family, the Christian fellowship we enjoy. But the greatest blessing, the one that truly casts out all worry and fear, is God's gift to us of His Son, Jesus Christ. Next weekend, we enter the season of Advent, the season during which we once again will invite the Christ child into our hearts by faith. We are reminded that when we were, when we were weak, Jesus was strong. When we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, Jesus fulfilled God's law for us and stepped into our place and earned for us a perfect record of righteousness. And finally, when nothing else would serve but that the blood of God's Son should be shed for our redemption, God our Heavenly Father sacrificed His Son and and Jesus took upon Himself and died. The Lamb of God took away the sins of the world, including yours and mine. Not to worry, your sins are paid for. Not to worry, the price of your redemption has been offered and accepted. Not to worry, heaven now belongs to you on account of the blood of righteousness of Christ. Paul asks the question that needs no answer. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Robert Jones Burdett was an American humorist who died in 1914. He once said, There are two days in the week about which and upon which I never worry. Two carefree days, sacred and free of fear and apprehension. One of these days is yesterday. The other is tomorrow. Our God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We can safely leave all things to his gracious and loving hands. We can cheerfully follow his advice when he tells us not to worry. The evidence of nature tells us that worthy worry is senseless. Simple logic tells us worry is useless. And the Holy Scriptures promise us that God, as our Heavenly Father, all worthy worry is entirely needless. May he grant to all of us a truly bountiful and worry-free thanksgiving. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.